hey, hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Amazing Seller Podcast. This is episode number 293, and today we're going to be talking about another not-so-sexy topic, and that is product liability insurance and uh, how we can avoid some lawsuits. Hopefully, we won't ever get faced with those, but we are going to need to understand kind of like basics about product liability insurance and also just business insurance in general. I think people get those two confused. I know I did in the beginning, and I've got a special guest on today, actually someone that I met at our TAS Breakthrough Live event. Her name is Michelle Love, and she's been in this insurance business for over 20 years now. And uh, like I said, I met her at our live event, had no idea that she was an insurance broker until after we got talking. And she was there to uh, build her private label business, which she's doing right now as well. So pretty interesting how things happen, right? And then uh, I said, you know what? We got to have you on the podcast because you know a lot about this business because you are someone that's a private labeler that also understands the insurance business, which I found is really hard to find. So I wanted to pick her brain. I wanted to get some of these questions answered, which you guys will hear. And uh, this way here, you guys can have this connection as well. If you guys want to reach out to her, I'll give you her information at the end. But uh, she's going to fill in some, some of these gaps, some of these holes that we might not really understand when it comes to insurance on our business when and uh, you know when we we should go and and you know look for insurance um, and you know product liability all of that stuff she's going to kind of go into even like some products that are or some markets that you probably want to stay away from uh, when you're looking at a product so really really great conversation and again I met her by meeting her at our TAS breakthrough live event, which is just crazy, right? That's how you make these connections. Just awesome. Um, okay. So show notes, the amazing forward slash two ninety three. That's where you'll find these, um, show notes, transcripts, all that stuff. And I did want to remind you guys, if you are listening to this episode on the 12th of December, okay, that's when this is going to be airing. If it's after, well, that's fine too. You can still go to this page, but we are having a replay of our last workshop of 2016. So you can go to the amazing forward slash workshop, and that will take you to the replay of our last five-phase launch workshop, basically where we take you through the five phases to launch a product, how to actually pick a product and then launch the product. Um, that will be going uh, coming down on the 14th, um, and our uh, private label classroom will be closing then as well. So if you guys are interested at all at watching that or checking that out, and it's before the 14th, then uh, go over to theamazingseller.com forward slash workshop. All right. So guys, let's get rock and rolling. I am super excited for you guys to hear this conversation that I had with Michelle. She's awesome. And I think you guys are going to love her. And uh, she is there as a resource for all of us. So definitely take, uh, take her up on the offer to just look at your policy or maybe steer you in the right direction. All right. So enjoy this interview that I did with Michelle. Love. Well, hey, Michelle, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. How you doing? I'm doing great, Scott. I'm excited to have you. We are going to be talking about a not-so-sexy topic, and <laughs> that is insurance or uh, you know, product liability insurance, regular business insurance and stuff, but I think it's something that people need to know, and a lot of times people don't want to talk about it, so I'm really excited to, uh, to be able to sit down and kind of have this conversation and kind of pick your brain, someone that's been in this business for a little while, so maybe you can fill people in that don't really know much about you and uh, give us a little bit of your backstory. Okay, I'd be glad to. Um, well, I have an accounting degree, and um, my husband's a CPA, so I decided to go into the sexier field, as you like to uh, <laughs> refer to, uh, the insurance field. And I've been doing this for um, nearly 24 years now. Oh, wow. Um, I have uh, I specialize in commercial risks with mainly municipalities, um, anything with an unusual type exposure that not everyone has the expertise to handle the coverage for. Mm -hmm. um, I'm also very involved on a state and national level with our insurance company providers and other agents. So I feel like my resources are pretty strong and, um, and I work for a great agency. We just celebrated our 90th um, anniversary. So oh, wow. um, yeah, we're in our fourth generation and um, moving in an online direction with the fourth generation in there. And, um, so this is obviously an area that I'm interested in on a personal um, side because my daughter and I do have a private label business um, for about seven or eight months now. Okay. And um, I'm just, you know, I'm seeing a lot of questions in regards to the insurance and felt like this is something that I could actually help 
others like myself. Yeah, you know, it's funny because when I first got started, I didn't really even think about anything additionally to just your regular business insurance. And then as you get into the business, you start to hear and you start to see and you start to see the requirements and stuff. And then you start to say to yourself, well, like, wait a minute here, there's there's different things that I think I should be paying attention to now. And then you start doing your research. And it's, it's really, to be honest with you, it's really uh, confusing and I think hard to find the answers to what we really need, what Amazon wants us to have, um, and what is going to be best to protect ourselves when we're selling products to, you know, random people, really. I mean, we're, we're selling a product and depending on what you're selling, you know, you have more risks, um, on on certain products than others. Um, but it is, it's kind of like you're, it's, you're out there kind of, kind of weeding through. And, uh, I gotta be honest, when I was starting to do the research, it took me a long time for someone to even understand what I was talking about. You know, I was like, you know, okay, here's what I do. And they're like, well, wait a minute here. You have a brick and mortar. No, I don't. So where are you selling this? I'm selling on Amazon. Well, don't they cover you? Well, no, you know, so it's just really confusing. So maybe what you can do is kind of give us like a one-on-one, you know, kind of little uh, breakdown here as far as like, like, okay, what do we need to know? I guess as a brand new seller, like let's say someone's brand new right now, um, they're going to be selling, but they're not hundred percent live right now. What would be the best thing for them to do right now to be prepared for what's to come? I think that's probably where we should start. Okay. Well, as far as the insurance, um, aspect, if you are brand new, you're probably not hitting the minimum thresholds that, um, Amazon has put in place for the business sellers, um, which is a gross, not, not net, but gross sales, exceeding $10,000 over a, um, a three year or three month period. Okay. Yeah. Um, so new, new sellers probably aren't hitting that. Okay. Um, but you know, it's something that they need to be thinking about. And, um, obviously when they're in the product investigation phase, they may want to steer away from things such as ammunition or things to do with, um, automobiles, those sorts of, um, high risk, uh, firearms, those sorts of, of products might not be the best avenue for them as far as the insurance goes. Yeah. So um, finding a product that, that you're saying then, then isn't going to be like highly, I guess, uh, unsafe or something that could be, um, you know, a, a risk for someone that that's operating or like, I think you and I had talked about this at, at our event there in, um, in Arizona, we talked about like uh, baby products and and stuff like that. Like there's certain things that you probably want to something that goes in your mouth or, you know, like stuff like that. So maybe you can even talk a little bit about that. Like, you know, when when someone's going into this, like not thinking about insurance or thinking about uh, a product that's risky um, or that could have a liability. Um, is there any products that stand out to you or, or markets that you would say, like, if you are just starting, this is going to add a whole nother, you know, component to it that you might not want to go into right now? Yeah, just, um, you know, those those sorts of things from um, an ammunition standpoint, um, anything with the autos, um, anything that um, a lot of times that you put on your body or in your body mm. are very um, hazardous and harder to, to um, place the insurance for. Um, we do have one of the one of the companies I'm placing most of the coverage with um, right now. They have two different options. One is. Um, a medical or MD policy, mm-hmm. and that's more for um, any sort of device possibly used in the medical field. Um, it's not necessarily for supplements and those sorts of things, um, but I do have other markets for those. Okay. And then the, the other policy is basically everything else. Okay. Um, and, of course, the rates are based upon how how risky the product is. Um, so, you know, if you're doing, uh, paper goods or stationary, or if you're doing, um, just general needs, garlic presses, Mm -hmm. for example, Mm -hmm. um, that's not a high risk category. Um, but when you get into more, you know, the, the health and beauty and some of those areas within Amazon that are gated, they're Mm -hmm. gated for reasons for more reasons than just to restrict the number of people in there. It, it's because they want to make sure that those sellers are doing it the right way because there is such a liability involved. 
Yeah, and I again, I think um, some some people that I've talked to were were uh, thinking about like essential oils and and stuff like that. And there's certain ones in that you know again that would probably be fall under like beauty or uh, personal care. Yeah. And and a lot of those sometimes have hazmat. Um, you know, areas where you have to be careful and then Amazon immediately will just, you know, just shut your listing down for whatever, because you're not, uh, you're not supposed to be selling that, or you have to have a special account to do that. And I've just heard some, some really bad stories with that stuff. So I would just tell anybody that's just starting, especially again, listen to what Michelle's saying, like go after something that's not going to be harmful, um, inside or, or, uh, you know, outside of, you know, as far as like topical or anything like that, I would stay away from that personally. Um, yeah. you know what I mean? It's, it's just going to make things a lot simpler moving forward. Um, right. you know, so, okay. So let's say for example, though, we are starting to sell, let's, let's kind of catch everyone up. Like, well, let's say that everyone is, you know, they're selling now and they're at that $10,000 point, right? They're, they're, they're making 10,000 bucks a month, which is awesome. It's, it's grossing. They're not making, putting it in their pocket, but they're grossing it, which is great. Um, now does Amazon just notify you and there's like a little trigger that gets set or is it kind of like your responsibility to go ahead and get your coverage and then submit it to Amazon or do you not submit it to them until they actually ask for it? Like, how do you treat that? Or what would you recommend someone do in that situation? Well, there's, um, in my, you know, I'm not a, an attorney. Of course, uh, of course. However, I will say that you do sign a terms, um, the agreement that mm-hmm. you will abide by their terms of, um, uh, you know, within their terms of their agreement. And within there is the insurance. And when you hit that threshold that they um, outline, and, and within the U.S., again, those are the, the three months, consecutive months of 10000 plus in gross sales. It's different for Canada and other um, marketplaces. Um, but once you hit that, you are supposed to go ahead and purchase the insurance and provide Amazon that proof of coverage um, in the form of a certificate of insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, I have not heard of anyone being... Um, picked out by Amazon that they don't have the coverage yet. However, um, I think it'll be something they'll crack down on. The more that this evolves and the more that there are product liability claims out there. And in that instance, um, you know, you and I would be named individually in our own claim, but also Amazon. Mm -hmm. And so they're going to crack down on it the more that they're named in any sort of product liability um, claim or lawsuit. So um, you do sign that terms of agreement that you will carry the coverage once you get to that threshold. And you know as well as I do, if Amazon decides to check it your check your account, yep. um, <laughs> they'll they'll pop, you know put a hold on your account immediately if you don't adhere to those um, requirements. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's it's one of those things. And again, I'm I'm kind of playing the 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 you know the listener that might be new or that doesn't or maybe someone that's not even new that just hasn't thought about this yet. Um, yeah. You know, you can you can uh, not do that, and then you can take that risk. But if you mm-hmm. get that that email or that dreaded you know red flag up in the left hand corner that basically yes. says there's a notification and it's kind of like a warning, um, it could be it could be a bad email. So yeah, All I right. mean, and, and and we're not here to scare anyone. I don't want to scare yeah. anyone. I want people to be prepared, um, and I want people to hear it from you that kind of understands the insurance side of things, but also understands kind of like the ins and the outs of of coverages, but then also how to abide by their their terms of service. Um, exactly. that's, that's really what I want to do here for people. Now, the other yeah, question I, you know, no, go, real, go ahead. just kind of equate that with, um, you know, people that try to get a car insurance, um, just to get their licensing yep. at the courthouse and then they let it lapse. Well, there's really, you're not doing yourself any good because this coverage is there for a reason. Mm. And it's not just to, to give Amazon a certificate of insurance. It's to protect you in the event something does go wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes, that makes total sense. The other big question I get from a lot of people is, okay, let's say that I get product liability insurance and we're, we'll talk about the, 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 the differences between business insurance and product liability in a second. But the uh-huh. one that I get a lot is, okay, I'm buying products from manu or I'm having them manufactured in China. How do I, how do I get insurance on a product that's made in China, um, here in the States? And 
I know firsthand the minute that I would, when I was asking for quotes, I would mention that and they're like, no, as soon as, you know, as soon as you do that, you know, they're not liable and we're not going to cover it because we don't know all of the ins and outs of their factory, their manufacturing and all that stuff. Absolutely. So maybe you can address that. I I can. Um, And I can tell you, I'm an independent insurance agent, which means that I represent basically, you know, a wide array of, of companies. And as a result, I, I'm very familiar with those companies and their requirements. And I can say that 90 percent, 90, maybe 95 percent of those um, would would you know, stay away from a Chinese produced product Mm -hmm. um, because their checks and balances aren't in place as they are in, in the U S and other countries. Um, However, um, one of my very good companies that I work quite a bit with has um, developed a product that is specifically, um, I guess it's been developed specifically for an Amazon seller sourcing from China uh, in that, with that kind of customer in mind. Okay. Um, and they do not have an issue with the Chinese um, products. And, you know, like uh, on my daughter and I, on our business, you know, I'm listed as the manufacturer according to the insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I am the one producing it, you know, making it, even though I'm getting it from China, mm-hmm. I'm listed as the manufacturer. Um, and then, you know, we do also with this, um, you know, private labeling, you also have freight forwarders. You have other people that might be involved on your, you know, your chain of, you know, acquiring products sure. that add extra checks and balances along the way. And all of that makes a large difference in your premium um, mm. as far as reducing it. Um, but, you know, there are companies that that we write with every day on goods manufactured in the, in the United States and it might be the exact same thing that we could source from China, but they won't touch it. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm. yeah, okay. so it it's, it can be a big concern. However, I do have um, you know I do have a, a really good product with um, that understands this business is is the best way to put it. And, 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 and what we'll, you're and what you're saying as far as product, you're you're talking not in your Amazon, is you're talking about your product as far as like the, you have a policy yes. that can that can handle. Um, this, uh, this type of situation. Yes, I do. Okay. The, okay. Cool. The Chinese, yeah. the okay. Chinese, um, equate part of the equation is removed. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. That's, that's good. And actually we'll, we'll, uh, we'll mention that at the end we can let people know how they can get in touch with you and, okay. and, and kind of know more about that. Um, but okay. So let's just, let's just take, uh, take a minute here and maybe go through, a little bit of like what it would look like, because I always think about, and I'm going through this right now with like, even like my health insurance, right? It's like you read 10, 15, 20 different policies. And this one has this thing changed. And this one here has a higher deductible, but then you have less co-insurance. Like, so all of this stuff. So you're always thinking to yourself, you're just, you're just getting kind of like, I guess, uh, (laughs) you're getting kind of confused. So this way here, you don't understand it. And then when something happens, you're like, oh, well, it didn't make sense. So I just, I figured it was right, but I thought I was getting something and I really wasn't. How do we know that we're getting a policy that's going to cover us and not just almost like be like, if all of this stuff aligns, yes, we'll cover you. But if one of these things out of, out of, is out of alignment, I'm sorry, we're not going to be able to help you. And you're going to pay X amount of dollars every year. That's the big thing with insurance that kind of bothers me, to be honest with you, because you really don't know unless you have someone like you that can actually determine and kind of like go through that, which we have someone here locally that we've met since we moved to South Carolina that took the time to kind of sit down, a broker in a sense that, that says, these are this is what this all means. Almost right. like a translator, in a sense, that says, if if this happens, yes, you'll be covered. If this happens, no, you will not be covered. So make sure this doesn't happen kind of thing. Right. And, you know, insurance is very confusing and um, and, and it's a good it's a good uh, tool to help you fall asleep at night when you're wanting to read a policy. <laughs> but, <laughs> right. um, but really, the, the um, what you know, I see sometimes on the Facebook groups and other people that I've met along this journey um, on the private label side, um, that say they got their policy from, you know, a cap, one of the, you know, all state farm bureau, um, state farm, one of those not picking on them because I have great respect for, for those, um, 
captives is what they're called, captive okay. insurance companies, mm-hmm. whereas I'm an independent and they're captive. It's just a different type. Sure. But sure. They, they don't understand this, and that's not what they normally deal with. And so as a result, they may write them a, a, a general liability policy for $500, and they think that they're covered. And just like what you said, what happens if things happen down the road and then you find out, oh, I don't have coverage because this is just a general liability policy doesn't cover product liability. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge problem. And I see it in there, you know, on on the groups and I, you know, I bite my tongue, but I, you know, I just say, I will always, if you want me to look at your policy, I will look at it and, and I hope it is that cheap for mm-hmm. you, but it's if it is, it most likely is not the coverage that you need um, to protect you in the event that you know you have um, a part in your garlic press that <laughs> pops off in your right. restaurant and somebody chokes on it. Right, right. That's a product liability claim. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, okay. So, I guess for for people to understand as well, and you, you kind of touched on it there, like people get confused because there's a product liability policy, and then there's a business liability policy. So maybe just explain quickly. I mean, just myself personally, like a general liability to me would be like if someone, um, I don't know, tripped and fell in my office, then uh, they're going to get covered, right? I'm going to pay their doctor bills up to a certain point or a certain amount, whatever the policy is. A product liability is that product when that person gets that product, if they use it and for some reason it malfunctions or something happens that they hurt themselves and it was proven that the product was the reason why, then that policy would pick up from there. Is that correct? Exactly. It, that's a real good um, explanation, actually. Um, you know, the product liability covers um, if your product that you're selling um, causes bodily injury or property damage to a person or, or um, property. Mm-hmm. And your general liability policy won't pick that up. There's an exclusion for product liability. Mm. Um but and it gets a little confusing. But these the product liability policies that you purchase, if it does have product liability, it will have the general liability um, attached in there as well. And the and for the most part, most of the private label um, people I've talked to and have have written their insurance do not have a separate office necessarily where public's coming in and sure, sure. Um, really don't have much of an exposure on a general liability side. They're all their exposures on the product liability. Okay. Well, and the other question I get a lot of times too is like, well, okay, let's say Amazon has my product in their warehouse and their warehouse catches fire. That's on yeah. Amazon, right? That's on Amazon. And, okay. um, and, and everything that I have found, and, and unless they tell me differently, mm. um, our products that are stored in their warehouses becomes in their care, custody, and control. And they have warehousing-type coverage for those products of ours in their warehouses. Okay. And okay. that's everything I, I have found, that's the way it is. So, um, you know, rarely, um, again, in the ones I've talked to and have – um, written coverage for or talked to, rarely do the private labelers um, store their products in their home or their office mm-hmm. or a warehouse on their own, um, unless it's just in a transition phase where you're getting it in and you're sending it back out. Um, most of the time, it's in Amazon's warehouses. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and that's, again, that's, I think people just, they don't really understand that, uh, you know, because, well, it, I got to be honest, it's kind of tricky. Amazon does try to push, <laughs> push as much off of us as they can. Um, so that way they're there. I mean, just like sales tax and all that stuff. I and mean, that's a whole nother discussion, which we've had. Um, but they, they do try to push as much as they can on the seller to kind of handle, um, handle this stuff. Um, yeah. so the other big question, and you knew I was going to ask you this, but a lot of people want to know, okay, well, I got two questions. One is they always ask, "How much am I looking at for like product liability insurance? Like, what's the what's the rate?" I know that's a, I know that's a hard question to answer because there's there is some variables there. But can you give someone like just a basic idea of what? Because some some people could think, "Well, it's going to be five hundred. It's going to be five thousand. It's going to be ten thousand. It's going to be where could we expect to pay um, if we're again if we're doing that ten or fifteen thousand dollars a month." Okay, um, you know, I'd, 
I was prepared for that question. And I just did some research on some of the ones I've written already. Mm-hmm. And using, um, for example, this one is um, just product liability. It's a pretty vanilla type of risk, I, sh- I should say. It's mm-hmm. not not very um, risky. Um, and this one, the receipts are 100000 a year, gross receipts, and the premium $1,650. Okay. okay. Um, this other one, the gross receipts are closer to 250 I believe, on this one. Mm-hmm. And the premium was uh, 2800 Okay. Okay. Um, and and you're, ta- you're, saying gross, you're, you're saying gross receipts, meaning that was what they generated in revenue? Yes, gross okay. revenue before, yep. before the Amazon numbers, those sorts of things. Yep, yep. So basically, as you go up in revenue, that's where the insurance would, would continue to increase as well. Yes, it is. Um, all of the product liability policies out there in the marketplace are are based on your gross sales before expenses. Yes. Yep. Okay. I, and I, I I knew that. And uh, I mean, people listening might not have known it, but that that I actually knew uh, because I have a policy. Then I actually, <laughs> and I know that as it goes up, you you kind of uh, uh, have to continually increase that. But if you're making more money, obviously you're able to to offset that. Um, exactly. Now. Okay, so and and that makes that makes total sense. Here's another big question. Okay, let's say I have one product and it's doing that hundred thousand, but now I've added three more products. They're similar in the space, but they're not the same product. Does the pro, does the brand get the liability insurance on all products across the brand, or is each product uh, insured for liability? If that makes sense, hopefully it does. Uh-huh. It does. It makes sense. Um, basically, you would, um, you know, you would you would insure your LLC or your your official corporate name mm-hmm. um, and all branding underneath of that. Okay. Um, and then what happens in that case is um, sometimes you. What if you do have a, a very high risk type product and a lower risk? Mm-hmm. Sometimes we might have to you know carve out the high risk to put it with. Um, a different broker because of um, of the of the the company you currently have all your other coverage with won't write it. Gotcha. And in that in that instance, you know, we can do that, um, but we want to try to avoid doing that very uh, much because you want to have one policy that would respond because it's in your name of your you know your your corporate name. Of course, yeah. And, and so that's what Amazon really would like, and that's the way we prefer, and the companies prefer to write it is is all of it. Mm-hmm. And you know, you might start out with um, doing garlic presses, and then move into cutlery. You know, mm. using knives later, and then that might be a higher risk. Um, and the rating would be based upon, you know, the rating for the garlic press would be one premium, and the Rating on the knobs would be a different premium. Okay, but now if I if I launched a garlic press and a lemon press, it, yeah. that's basically just going to be under the same thing. My policy necessarily isn't going to go up. I'm going to want to let you know that that's what I'm doing, so you have those kind of documented. But you're really only only increasing my premium if um, I start generating more revenue. Is that exactly. Correct? Okay. And, and most of the time, I will say that these policies are audited, um, just as if you had a workers' comp policy, which is the, the policy that most people are, are familiar with audits mm-hmm. on. And basically, you provide your tax returns or um, proof of what your premiums are, and and you know you can use your Amazon reports as well. Um, and if you know you're you can you, if you take one out and you're estimating you know, annual gross sales of a hundred thousand, but you're actually doing that per month, you're going to get hit with an audit with an additional premium at the end of the term. Gotcha. Yeah. 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 yeah that, so, that, that makes sense. I mean, you know, I, so if it, if it came where you were, let's say you're doing, you were, you did a hundred thousand the year before. And then this year it looks like after the six month point, you're already at the hundred. Would you just contact the, your insurance mm-hmm. and just say, Hey, listen, I think I'm going to be going up and then they can adjust that accordingly rather than Absolutely. being hit at the end. Okay. Absolutely. Because you'll, you'll get hit at the end with an audit and then you'll also have an additional due because of the higher number at the renewal. Yep. I got you. Okay. That makes sense. So you almost got to do your own internal audit. Really, you should just to kind of say like, where am I? So I can uh, make sure that I stay up to date with my, with my policy. Yeah. Especially during your growth phase, you know, yeah. as you're growing, 
your business and, and um, you know, escalating it on a you know fast pace, then yes, you definitely should adjust accordingly. Yeah. Now you had something else here on your notes that I'm reading that I wanted to make sure that we address too. And you had um, ocean cargo insurance and then uh-huh. you also had um, coverage worldwide. Um, yes. So can you maybe address both of those? I will just um, coverage worldwide. I would say um, if you have a policy and you're it's a hundred or five hundred dollar premium and you think you have the right coverage, probably the best place to look to see if you have coverage is if it says worldwide or not. Um, most of the time, um, your liability policies would be um, only if a claim was brought in the United States. Um, but the policies that I have quoted, again, taking into account this type of business and the way it's evolved um, are worldwide coverage. So the claim is brought in Mexico or brought in China or, you know, back against you with a U.S. based um, company, the coverage is there for you worldwide. Oh, OK. okay. It's, it's a big deal. It really is. OK. Um, and then as far as cargo coverage, um, and that can be. There, there again, I use a different company on that because I have a really another good relationship on the ocean cargo um, products. Um, but this one can be for your products as they're being shipped to you by sea. Okay. Um, can also, you know, you can change it and have it be by, you know, air cargo or, um, other types of, of means. So really that's ensuring though that like, let's say the boat sank. Yes. Right. Okay. But technically if you're using a freight forwarder, I'm not sure, do, do they, some of them may have that built in and that might just be a premium you pay. I'm not quite sure on all of them. I think Flexport does. Um, but I'm not 100% sure. But if you want, like you said, it's almost like having fire insurance or whatever. You're basically uh, insuring your product to make sure that it gets from point A to point B. Right. And that's to cover your loss yes. um, in your product. Yes. And you do have to look at the freight forwarders. Um, a lot of times they do provide the coverage or pro- provide some coverage, but they're passing it along to you and it's mm-hmm. usually pretty expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, and they may not have the adequate limits. They might have a $25,000 per customer limit oh, and you might okay. have, you know, a hundred thousand in, in cargo um, coming across. That's a good point. Yeah, that I, I can see so that it, too. Yeah, it's that something, sense. you know, to always look at, especially when you're using large numbers of, uh, you know, product coming across on by boat. Yeah. Now, you, the other thing I want to address here is um, let's say that you have a claim. Let's say that you you put a claim in um, and uh, let's say that it's it's granted and you ha- and it's been made. Right. What's the difference between that and an occurrence? So, a claims know. made versus occurrence policy. Yeah. Okay. Because some, some people say, well, I'm going to put a claim in and then they're going to cancel my insurance. I mean, that's what we always think when we get if you get in an accident, you're like, if I get into accidents, they're just going to cancel me. So yeah. uh, so what's. I guess, what, what do we have to know about that? Yeah, well, uh, there's really two questions in, in what you just said there. Um, and, and it's a very um, confusing topic. Um, as far as a claim, if you have a claim, you would call my office, email me, text me. Um, and we do have a dedicated claims person in my office. And then they, in turn, report it to the company that we put you with. And then that person, that claims adjuster handles your claim for you. Okay. Um, and as far as the difference between occurrence-based and claims-made-based policies are um, very – this is one of the biggest issues I have with um, – or concerns I have with people writing insurance for private labelers because product liability policies are writ- written on a claims-made basis versus an occurrence um, so basically what that means is you have to continue continuously renew that policy um, because you have what they call a retro date, which is the, the inception date of your policy, the mm-hmm. day your policy, the day your policy begins. Okay. And basically they're covering claims back, you know, it might be five years down the road, but they're covering claims back to, you know, when you first took it out and that product that you sold back four years ago um, causes injury. Oh, I see. And uh, if you can kind of think about it this way, claims made policies, most of your medical malpractice policies are written on claims made or errors and emissions coverage are. Um, Product liability uh, coverage is written this way as well. And 
there again, a lot of insurance agents don't deal with claims made policies. I, I do. And I think that's where a lot of my understanding of, of this product comes from is because I've dealt with this most of my career gotcha, um, gotcha. in handling claims made versus occurrence. Um, and then the biggest issue you have there is at the time or when you decide to sell your business or you discontinue the garlic press and you move to um, the knives instead, because mm. garlic press is just, you know, that's all you're doing. Well, you, you do need to buy what we call tail coverage or extended reporting because you still have an exposure down the road from somebody that bought your product years earlier. Mm-hmm. And people that just, you know, close up their doors and, you know, cancel their insurance, you're not protecting yourself because you can still be sued and still mm-hmm. be and still have claims um, in the future from from prior policy periods. Mm-hmm. And that's why these policies are written on claims made um, basis. And again, a very confusing concept. Um, and a lot of my, you know, colleagues that don't deal with it don't understand it fully. And and that's just a concern I have for for people that are trying to, you know, obtain this insurance and obtain it correctly, whether they have the right policy or not. Yeah, no, that's 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 important. And and again, I, I mean, we're throwing a lot of stuff out there for people. And if you guys are just starting, or uh, if you haven't done this yet, you know, start looking into it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it doesn't mean that tomorrow something bad is going to happen. Um, it's just you you want to you want to start planning for this. Um, it is part of this type of business uh, when you're selling a physical product um, and it's getting in people's hands and they're using it. Um, so you, you definitely want to just try to understand it. And I think, I think Michelle, I think you're, you're describing it really well as my dog here is barking. So this, uh, <laughs> <laughs> this will be interesting. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, to me, it's, it's something that a lot of times you don't want to talk about. You just want to not worry about it until something bad happens, but we want to plan for it as best that we can. Um, I think that, you know, having you share this, uh, is, is helpful. I think it can just at least give people the information. So this way here, they can, they can be prepared and again, reach out to you or if they have their own broker that they want to deal with, that's fine. We just want you to be prepared with what, uh, you know, what you, you, we feel that, you know, moving forward is going to help protect you, um, and your business. Now, you know, again, we're not legal advisors, you know, we're not here giving any legal advice or anything like that, but, um, you know, maybe we can just address this real quick. Um, because, well, I want to address two things actually. The one is, um, as far as the amount of coverage, um, I think Amazon requires you to have it up to a certain amount. I don't know if it's a million or 2 million per occurrence. Is, is it, is that correct? It's, it's a million for the, for the United States. Yes. Okay. It's a million. Okay. So you have to have up to a million dollars. Um, that's what they want written. Do you normally see that that's all you write or do you write more if for more than that? Um, it depends. Um, for, um, the ones that I just kind of used as examples with the numbers that I gave you, those were all for $1 million policies, which, which met the Amazon requirement. Um, but if you're doing a lot more and you, um, uh, sales and you have obviously a, a larger, um, at risk, um, then, then you definitely should go up to a two million, or, or you know, does it jump the premium that much by going it, up to two million? You know, that's a big uh, misconception. It's not double the premium, no, mm. not necessarily, okay. because um, most of the time, you know, it's just an increment. Usually, you know, twenty five, thirty five, forty percent more. It's not duplicate. Um, you know, okay. doubling of the premium. And there again, that's all just general, you know, talking in general terms, there's nothing that I, you know, I don't have the pencil to be able to place the the premiums. Um, but I, I can just tell you from what I've seen over, over my career. Okay. And then the other thing is, is, okay, we're, we're really getting this, this insurance to protect ourselves. That's what insurance is, right? It's It's to protect ourselves, our business, our livelihood. Um, but Okay, let's just say, for example, we set up our LLC. Our LLC, we're really doing that because we want to also create that business entity and we want that to be, I guess, the target, if you will, that if, if someone was to sue you, they're going to go after the LLC. Mm-hmm. Now, the the policy, what that's really doing is hopefully it's going to intercept even that to the where the point where they would have to go after the LLC um, and then in turn, if there was any holes in that, they could go after you, the owner, but let's not even go that far. But so the product liability really, just so people are understanding this correctly, is to protect you um, from being sued. And if you are sued, it's going to be taken care of by 
the policy and it won't even get to the LLC. Is that as long as it, it, it exactly as long as it's within that policy exactly limits. yes and, and you know another um, area to con- consider in these um, are the legal and the the other expenses um, it might be you have you know if it goes to a trial and they bring in expert witnesses you know your legal expenses could be even more than the judgment mm. um, and so you have to you know that that is covered by the policy as well. Um, where some policies it might not be. Mm-hmm. So there are lots of lots of really scary um, gaps um, that could be out there for um, for people with doing you know private labeling or or um, selling you know this. It doesn't matter if this is on Amazon or if it's on you know Etsy or any of the other um, platforms. The, the coverage would follow you and your brand. Gotcha. Yeah, and I think that's that's important to to know. Uh, that uh, you know when you're when you're getting this this policy, it's it's there really to protect you know you yes, but it's it's to protect the business and and also I think you brought up a good point there is that and I've heard both both stories there as far as or both sides of that where some policies will say we'll cover you if there's a claim and we'll we'll pay out on that suit, but we will not pay the legal fees. So that's a big one because. Um, obviously, obviously your, your team or not your team, but the, the policies team of, of attorneys is going to try to really kind of fight that. So they don't have to pay the claim. Right. right. So they're going to be, they're going to be trying to really fight the claim and try to prove them, you know, wrong for what, and, you know, and maybe they're not wrong, but if there, there's, let's, let's face it, you know, there's people out there, you know, there's attorneys, there's firms, all that, that are trying to put these, these, uh, things into people's heads that, Hey, if you, if you pinch your, your finger in a garlic press, you can sue, you know? Just want to right. let you know. And then yeah. they're going to start calling. And then that's where a legal team that would be wise to this could say, well, wait a minute here. Show me this, 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 and this. Where did it malfunction? Oh, wait, by the way. And then they can prove that in the court of law and all that stuff. And then it wouldn't even get to a payout. And then, that again, an insurance policy is really going to be making sure that they can do their best job to make sure that if it is a claim, it's a legit claim. Exactly. And and you want to make sure that the policy covers your legal expenses yeah. because that could be, you know, several thousand, several tens of thousands of dollars yeah. um, in just a very small claim. No, that's uh, that, that's huge. That's actually huge. All right. I think we've covered a ton here. Is there anything that you think that we left out or that we should address? Um, you know, not really, other than it is something I've asked, I foresee Amazon cracking down on. Um, given the number of people out here doing private labeling. Um, I also see that um, it is something that I I believe everyone should have, whether they're at that 10,000 limit or not. Um, But I I do see that it's it's a confusing topic. And, you know, I don't want to hold myself out as the expert, but, you know, I, I have... I have the expertise on the insurance side, and I am also a private labeler, so I understand the, how the process works. Yeah, I think that's important. Yeah. And, and I do have the relationships with the companies to be able to explain it, um, whereas you know some some um, agents wouldn't have that understanding of how it all works. Yeah, I think that's huge, though. I think it is because again, when I was calling around for a, a while in the beginning. No one really understood. I had to keep explaining it. And I said, well, I wish I had a recording so I didn't have to go through the whole thing every single time. Yeah. So it'd be yeah. nice to actually talk to someone that actually is a private labeler and that also understands the insurance side. So that is a, a pretty a pretty good thing. Um, so guys, uh, you know, listening, if you want to, to learn more about this, if you have questions, um, definitely reach out to Michelle. I mean, Michelle, why don't you tell people how to get in touch with you? We'll put it in the show notes as well. But how can people get in touch with you if they have any questions or if they want to um, inquire about a, a policy? Okay. Yeah, I'd be glad to. Um, my agency that um, that I work for is E M Ford. Um, it's actually um, retired U.S. Senator um, who's who's now deceased, but Wendell Ford's um, family. Oh wow. Um, yeah. So uh, he was a former governor of Kentucky and then a U.S. Senator. So um, it's his it's his office, um, his family's office, and we are located in Owensboro, Kentucky. Um, that does not restrict me on writing all over the United States. I do want to make sure that's that's known. Um, my email address is mlove, L-O-V-E, at emford.com. And our website is just www.emford.com. Oh, cool. That's um, easy. So it's, it's all very easy. Um, 
you know, my phone number is, is listed on our website. Um, and again, I'm, I'm in most all of the, um, your Facebook groups and, you know, people could always, you know, private message me there. They can email me through our website. They can email me directly. Um, we do have a very quick response time. And as far as quoting, you know, we turn around quotes on these types of risks very, very quickly, um, you know, days um, in most cases. And the other thing is, you know, I'm, I'm not a licensed consultant, but I would be glad to look at anybody's current policy just, you know, for a extra set of eyes and just um, make any recommendations that I might see would be needed. Yeah, no, that, that would be really cool. Uh, definitely. Uh, I'll definitely link everything up here on the show notes. I mean, if you guys are listening right now and you have any questions, definitely reach out to Michelle. I, I was uh, fortunate to meet Michelle in Arizona at our TAS live breakthrough event. And, um, and I wasn't even aware that, uh, that you were doing this insurance thing. You were there for your private label stuff. And, uh, then we yep. got chatting and I'm like, well, we got to have you on the show, uh, because <laughs> this is a uh, really good information and I'm always being asked this. And, you know, I've got, I've got a couple of ins as far as, but not one that I personally like, like again, like, like with you, I mean, I had a conversation with you and I, I understand that you're also private labeling. So, you know, if I can ever bridge that gap, um, I, I want to do so. And, and I think that you're a, you're an honest person. So that's also another big one here. Cause you know, people think about insurance and they think about, you know, things we watch on American greed and stuff, you know, yeah. and, you know <laughs> and, and you bring that up, Scott. And I do want to just say this, um, you know, I, even when we were in our TS, TAS live event, no one talks about their product. And I, you know, I by writing this coverage, I do know what people are selling. Sure. And I can, you know, I, it's my word, but um, my word is all I can can use here. But, um, you know, I don't do this because I'm trying to, you know, find out who's making the best money on what products. Right, right. That, your confidentiality is is secure and um, and it's a huge deal with the private label um, world and and there would never be any instance of me um, using that for personal gain or sharing that with other people. So um, our our firm is 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 rooted in integrity and professionalism and um, if I don't have that, then I don't have anything. So no, I agree. Yeah, I mean, I. Totally get it. And yeah, you're right. I mean, people have to, they, they have to feel, uh, you know, confident in then who, who they're dealing with, especially when we're talking private labeling, because we don't like to reveal our products or sometimes even our markets. But uh, I appreciate that. I do appreciate that. And I know that, you know, because you are a private labeler that you know the importance of that as well. So absolutely, it just really does lend itself nice to each other when you, uh, when you kind of do both things so you can kind of understand where, where we're coming from. Which Absolutely. I think is, which I think is really great. So, all right. So I, I'm, I think we're going to wrap this up, but this has been amazing. Uh, guys, show notes, we're going to have them ready for you guys. Uh, we'll have transcripts of this entire thing. We'll have the links. We'll have all the contact information for Michelle. Michelle, thank you so much for coming on and spending time out of your uh, your busy day. I know you're a pretty busy mom as well. So uh, yeah. just to, I just want to say thank you so much. I appreciate I really appreciate uh, everything that you've shared here. And also, I just I enjoyed uh, hanging out with you there for uh, for a couple of days there in, in Arizona as well. Yeah, well, it was um, it was great to finally meet you and and some of the other guys that are on your team and um, and I'm glad to be able to bring this this little bit of expertise to the mix and hopefully um, you know some of the uh, others some of the listeners will take me up on an offer to look at their coverage and and see if I can help them or tell them that they have exactly what they need. Yeah, so. no, that's great. I appreciate it and. Uh, I'm sure that you'll be getting some uh, some people reaching out to you, and uh, and I'm gonna just remind everyone definitely reach out to Michelle. She's giving you guys like free information and and a way to kind of see if you're if what you're doing is right, or maybe she can say you know maybe you don't have to go as heavy there. Maybe we can go a little bit, you know. So there's there's some advice there. I'm sure she can give you, and uh, definitely that uh, I I would say just definitely reach out. All right, Michelle, that's it. That's gonna wrap it up for our little conversation. I want to say thank you though once again. I appreciate well, you, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Appreciate it. Thanks. All right. So, I mean, a great interview, great information that Michelle was able to really let us know about, right? Because it can be confusing. I do want to say, though, if you're just starting, don't get yourself all worked up about this stuff, right? It's like when when it gets to that point, then you figure that part out, right? And we just kind of did that for you here. And you have a great resource now. So when you are ready, you reach out to Michelle and you ask some questions. Uh, again, I learned this from Pat Flynn, and uh, I think he learned it from someone else, but I'm going to pass it on to you guys, and I've said this before, I'll say it again. 
just in time learning. Like don't overwhelm yourself with everything you think you have to learn right now. If you're still in the product research phase, stay in that phase. Just stay in there until you get out of that phase, right? Then move on to the sourcing phase and then the pre-launch phase and then the launch phase and then the promotion phase. Those are the five phases, all right? Uh, So just don't get yourself all worked up. But I do think it's important to understand these different elements of business. This is business. This is what you have to understand, all right? Now, I do have... um, the resource here for you that you guys can download the transcripts. Uh, you can uh, download the show notes, all that stuff over at theamazingseller.com forward slash 293. So you might want to do that. Uh, also, all her information will be there so you can reach out to her when and if you need to. Uh, and then I'd also like to remind you right now, depending on when you're listening to this, if it's if it's on the 12th or the 13th or the 14th of December, uh, I just wanted to remind you guys, if you want to watch the replay of our five phases workshop, where we walk you through those five phases to launch a product, it's still up up until the 14th, all right? So theamazingseller.com forward slash workshop. If it's after that, you can still go to that page and then just register for an upcoming one, which will be after the first of the year, all right? So if you're interested, go ahead and do that. If not, cool. Uh, Hopefully, you got a ton of value from this episode, all right? So again, the show notes, theamazingseller.com forward slash 293. And uh, yeah, just want to say, Thank you guys so much for listening. We are approaching 2017. I cannot, 17? Yeah, 2017? That sounds weird. Uh, we are approaching 2017, and I cannot believe it. I'm excited, though. So many cool things that I'm looking forward to, and just another an, another part of the journey, right? Another part of the journey. We're going to be talking more about how to get yourself prepared and everything for that in upcoming episodes, but I just want to say, guys, I appreciate each and every one of you for hanging out with me on these podcasts, and, uh, and hopefully you're getting a ton of value that you can then implement into your business, and I have to say, a lot of you that have wrote in, either it's on a review on iTunes, which you guys are awesome, I want to thank you, or the blog post, or just an email, and said, Scott... It's just so awesome that you're giving us actionable content. It's not just like theory or it's not just like, you know, this, uh, you know, motivational stuff, right, all the time. I mean, I like to be able to motivate if I can. If I can motivate you to take action, that's even better. Um, But I just know a lot of you have said that you like the podcast because of the actionable content, and I really want to continue to deliver that kind of content for you. So I just want to say thank you for everyone that's a listener, everyone that's left the reviews or the emails or whatever. Thank you notes. I just want to say thank you. I really do appreciate it every single one of you. All right. So thank you. All right, guys. So that is going to wrap up this episode. And I just want to say, as always, remember that I'm here for you and I believe in you and I'm rooting for you, but you have to, you have to come on, say it with me, say it loud, say it proud today. Come on, take action. Have an awesome, amazing day. And I'll see you right back here on the next episode. 